This is Hitting the Mark. I'm Cindy Verbalin with Ray Carr and our star of Hitting the Mark, Jeffrey Mark. And this week we're talking about Milton Berle. Jeffrey, I'm very excited to talk about Milton Berle because his career is it was just incredibly long. Um, he did so many different things. He had so many different nicknames, Uncle Milty, Mr. Television, among other things. He started in vaudeville and it's going to take a while to sift through all the incredible things that Milton Berle has done and the people he's worked with. And I know you know about Milton Berle better than anybody. Uh, his real name, well, he was born Mendel Berlinger, July 12th. He was born and he died the 27th of March in 2002. And all the in-between stuff will be filled in by you, Jeffrey. And uh, let us know, first of all, what attracted you to Milton Berle's career? How could you not be attracted to Milton Berle's career? The man, you, you said it well, the man did everything. He was in silent films as a small child. He worked with Chaplin. He was in Tilly's Punctured Romance. He was on Broadway. He was in radio. He was in nightclubs. He was a television pioneer. The man at 12, Eddie Cantor, the great Broadway and film and radio comedian and singer, took Milton at the age of 12 to the Friars Club for the first time. And he traded insults with grown adult comedians and won and became the youngest member of the Friars Club ever. And he eventually ran the damn thing. Uh, the California Beverly Hills version of the Friars Club was started by Milton Berle. He was the abbot emeritus he was everywhere doing everything and if you were a member he knew all about you and your career too so all of us i guess baby boomers maybe some generation xers grew up with him and he was an icon and what do you do when you get introduced to an icon hopefully i had a really good answer i was working on my first book about Lucille Ball's television career. And I really wanted to meet him because they had worked together so often on television and they were friends. And my way in was through the wonderful comedian, Jack Carter. Jack took me to lunch at the Friars Club to meet Milton. And we sat, the four of us, at Milton's table at the Beverly Hills Friars Club, along with Buddy Arnold, who was his right arm guy and head writer and uh, best buddy to hang out with. Wherever you saw Milton, you saw Buddy. We were introduced. And it's like, I, I can't fawn over him. I can't be a fan. I can't be a tourist. Mm -hmm. I have to be a peer. How do I do that? So food was served and I said to him, so on March 22nd, 1949, a month after she finished on Broadway with Annie Get Your Gun, Ethel Merman made her television debut on the Texaco Star Theater with you and, and he held up two fingers like the Three Stooges and did it like you in the poke me in the eye. I did it at the same time. He said, how do you know about that? I said, I have a copy of the show. 
He said, I don't have a copy of the show. I said, you do now. <laughs> the fingers in the air thing, there's a wonderful story here. Ethel Merman, we've talked about previously, nobody upstaged Ethel Merman. But Milton had this deal where if you worked with him, he would always stand to your right and he would grab you by your right shoulder and gently insinuate you upstage so that you were facing him and he was facing the audience. That's where the term upstaging comes from, turning someone upstage so you get all the focus. Yep. Well, lesser lights allowed Milton to get away with that. Ethel Merman wasn't gonna allow that to happen. And they'd known each other at this point, even in 1949, they'd probably known each other for 20 years already. So they were doing a sketch, they were playing a turn of a 20th century couple in a newfound horseless carriage. That was the sketch leading into them singing the song Friendship. And they were wearing car coats that you saw from people back then because the cars were open. And Merman put little pins sticking up in the shoulder of her costume oh. so that good Uncle Milty grabbed her shoulder, ouchie, ouchie, ouchie. So he didn't do it right away. They do their sketch. They begin the song and he hits his hand and you can see the pain on his face. Well, he's not going to let that go. He does everything now to upstage her. He twists her around. He puts two fingers under her larynx, goes up and down like it's Bugs Bunny with Elmer Fudd. He pokes her in the eye like Curly from the Three Stooges. He takes her hat off. The whole thing's a shambles. The music is away from where the lyrics are. They don't know where they are in the song. They finally get to the end of it and Milton isn't finished yet. He's making all these sounds. Ethel's had enough. She shoves him and says, shut up already, it's over. Good evening, <laughs> friends. That I knew all of this. Milton turned to me and stuck his very long, very long arthritic finger towards me and said, you know things. Now I'm gonna tell you some real stories. And that was the start of our friendship. And when was that? 1492. Uh, it was somewhere in the mid-90s. Uh, I was not yet living in Los Angeles, so it had been during the time I lived in Las Vegas. So somewhere in the mid to late 90s. And uh, I became a regular there. And eventually, uh, my dear friend Jack Riley sponsored me, and I became a friar and saw Milton frequently. Yeah, I wanted to mention, did Milton Berle ever speak about the song that he wrote for Spike Jones called Leave the Dishes in the Sink, Ma? Milton spoke about his successes, uh, but he never brought up things that weren't terribly successful. So no, he never spoke about that with me. He did speak about other things he wrote. Sammy made the pants too long, for instance. Uh, and Milton, you know, he wasn't who you thought he would be. You, you're expecting funny jokes and quips at the lunch table or the dinner table. No, it was all very serious discussions of comedy, comedians, Broadway, shows he had been in, shows he had worked on people with, with people on. 
And if you could follow him, if you could add something to that, or he'll say uh, top 10 female actresses of the 1950s. He loved to make top 10 lists. That's where David Letterman got it from. Milton was the one who started that wow. back in the wow. 30s, the Friars Club. It was a way, you know, the Friars Club was a place for people who worked in show business, who wanted to be with their peers, who wanted to eat really delicious food and smoke a cigar and play some cards and relax before or after the evening performances where the public wasn't going to bother them for autographs. They could be themselves. They didn't have to wear makeup. They didn't have to be fancy. They could be themselves and be among other people who were not, as we often refer to them, as civilians. We're in the show business, and all those folks out there are civilians. And Milton didn't really care for civilians too much. Yeah, but they, they, um, they made him. He was, yeah, but making him is one thing. Enjoying his work is another. Uh, having to eat lunch with him every day is a third. So Milton spent all of his time at the Friars Club in New York, in Beverly Hills, or he would be at um, the country club if he, if he wanted to play golf or be with other comedians just to sort of change his day. There was also a restaurant in Beverly Hills that was very, very popular in the 90s and 2000s called the Cafe Roma. And if he wasn't at the Friars Club, Milton would be at the Cafe Roma. There was one afternoon at the Cafe Roma, and I'm name dropping here, but just to give you an idea of the kind of crowd I'm talking about. It was Milton Berle, Jack Carter, Jerry Vale, myself, Norm Crosby, Jackie Cooper, uh, uh, gosh, who else? Four or five other really big names that most of you listening would recognize immediately. And Jackie it was, Green? I'm sorry? Jackie Green? Jackie was Green. Nothing. Shecky, Shecky is based or was based mostly in Las Vegas. So if you wanted to hang out with Shecky, you had to be up there. He, oh. wasn't, he wasn't a big part of the Friars Club when I was a part of it. Uh, I think Tony Martin was there that day. And it's a hot summer day and Milton has on a raincoat because Milton had this fear, this phobia about catching a cold instilled in him by his mother you can't get sick. You have to go on tonight. You have to be there. The show must go on. So Milton was forever hypochondriacal, worrying he's about to get sick. So you know, we're all sitting there sweating, and Milton is, is drinking hot tea and lemon with a raincoat on because it's 85 degrees out, but there might be a cloud in the sky that will give him a cold. Oh, wow. Did he get sick a lot? No. <laughs> no, but the fear of getting sick drove him. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, just, I, I mean, how many shows did he miss because of illness throughout his career? Almost never. Yeah. But, you know, the stuff our parents drum into us. Uh, mm -hmm. Milton's mother, Sarah, was really like Mama Rose from Gypsy. She was a bound and determined stage mother. Unlike Mama Rose, she never went away. She was 
almost, no, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. I don't mean anything sexual, but it was almost an incestuous relationship. She okay. referred to it as our career, our performance. She was at everything he did. She was planted in the audience to laugh. If she felt Milton's laughter wasn't getting big enough, you would hear a ho, 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 ho. That was his mother giving the audience another reason to laugh. Mm. And she was so intent on it and took it so seriously. One night, this is in a vaudeville theater. She comes backstage after the performance, all upset. Mama, what's wrong? Oh, Milton, the man who sat next to me while you were on, he put his hand up my dress. Mama, why didn't you move your seat and miss your laugh? That's how intense she was on this. And she did this right through television. The man was in his 40s and she was still coming to every show, every performance and telling him what to do. Now, he didn't always listen to her, but she thought she ran him and it was not the healthiest of relationships. He did release an album called Songs My Mother Loved. I actually have the album. He loved his mother. Yeah. You would not hear from him horror stories. He turned these into anecdotes to laugh at. But you had to know that this deeply affected him. It affected his marriages. It affected his relationships with women. And uh, as he often said, if he ever went backwards in life, he wouldn't change anything except he would enjoy it more because she was always hovering over him. He didn't have a chance to have fun. Why? The question is, why was she like that? And was she- Because she was a Jewish mother, and I'm Jewish and I can say this, yeah. who wanted complete control over him. Yeah. He was her ticket away from his ineffective father, the children who didn't bring money into the house. He was her golden ticket. Mm -hmm. Out of poverty, out of not being noticed. I'm sure every stage member like that wishes that they were the one who was the star. And she put that on to Milton. Milton had no childhood because of that. Now, it's true, he did have a genius talent. She didn't take a square peg and put it in a round hole. He was meant for show business. But... He had no childhood. He had, he was never a teenager. He was a worker bee. He was a worker bee from the minute he started talking and she lived off of his work, his fame and his money until she died. Yeah. She wouldn't give that up. And she, she was terrified that if he ever really got involved with women on a close personal basis, they would be the one whispering in his ear what to do. And Sarah wouldn't have that. So she tried to ruin every possible relationship he did. Uh, she had very bad relationships with his wives. And uh, how many mothers do you know who gladly tried to supply her son with prostitutes? How many mothers do you know actually had a hand in getting her own son laid so that she wouldn't lose him to a woman he might actually love? Wow. That sounds like it's sick. 
That's Mama uh, Road squared. Yeah, but that's that's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, that's not normal. It's but, not normal, but no part of Milton's life was normal. So you're still listening to Hitting the Mark. I'm here with Ray and Cindy, and we're talking about my friend, Milton Berle. 